Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block today with a full compliment. This is being recorded live and will be put up as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. Please share with us any feedback you may have at our email address, ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon and welcome. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Ed. Hi, everyone. Hey, guys, it's Mike. Two Eds, a Mike and a Jody. Uh, relatively happy Ed from Virginia. Yeah, you should be. Oh, that's right. We got Virginia. Relatively happy Ed from Virginia. What do you need to be really happy, Ed, from Virginia? <laughs> oh, you know, if we elected a DeSantis clone as governor. But yeah. I'll take this guy. All right. So, Virginia, do you want to start with your comments on the elections? Sure. I mean, I was very surprised. Um, you know, there's still the whole mail-in ballot uh, fiasco that um, that caused uh, so much problems in the last election, and I thought that uh, it would cause problems in this election. Um, the state board of elections provides um, information about, you know, how many ballots were requested, how many ballots were returned and it from various jurisdictions. And it looked like um, as of last night, it was a low number returned from the Northern Virginia area of the absentee ballots, a relatively low compared to other areas. And so I, I was just waiting for it to go from like, if it was an average of say 77% over the state, uh, but in, in our area, it was like 72% returned. Um, then I was just waiting for like 10% of the absentee ballots, you know, to get, jump from you know, 73 to 83. And, and uh, But I think when I did the math, that would only have been like 25 or 30,000 votes. So it wouldn't quite be enough for the governor's race. So I do think that, um, that while there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of corruption in the in the list of electors and the you know the absentee ballot thing. I, it just it it wasn't enough. So I thought that was uh, pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, I, obviously Youngkin is a squish, but um, he really did you know step up for the school issue. And I think that resonated with sub suburban moms. And I, I, I don't expect him to do anything about it. Again, he's a Republican, so they don't do anything except, you know, maybe prevent, you know, even more catastrophe from happening. Um, and that that's good. And winning the General Assembly, it looks like the General Assembly is going to be 51-49 Republican. That'll take the wind out of the, the crazies in the uh, the Democrat crazies. Also in Virginia, the General Assembly appoints judges. Now again, we all know that Republican appointed judges are awful. Uh, they're just not as quite as awful as the Democrat appointed judges. So I, I think that's uh, yeah, it's another uh, positive outcome from the election. And the, the story, the one personal story is um, there was a story going around that um, at a number of polling places they were um, they were not allowing people to vote if they weren't masked. So I decided to try this out when I went to my polling place, you know, and you didn't want to be mean because they're all little old ladies, right? 
<laughs> and so the little lady comes and says, you know, because we're in an elementary school, could I ask you if you would wear a mask? And she was so pathetic. And like I almost like took the mask, but then I thought, now I'm going to ask her. So I said, well, is it a, is it a requirement? You know, is it, is it, will I be arrested if I don't wear a mask? And she said, no, no, it's just a request. And I said, okay, thank you for being, you know, for being honest about that. And so I didn't wear a mask. And, but the funny thing is like in an elementary school gymnasium, right? So it's a paper ballot and you take it to these little booths to fill it out in privacy. And there are all these little booths sort of stacked together on a table and then on another table. And she said, I want you to go to that booth over there as well on the other side of the, of the, um, of the gym. And there's this booth standing up like on a stand. I'm like, fine. So I walked all the way over to the other side of the gym and I filled out my ballot and then walked all the way back and hand, put it in the machine, you know. And then the woman, um, uh, you know, you, when you're walking, you cut the ballot is covered with a, a legal sized um, like middle folder. So I went to hand the middle folder once I put the ballot in back to uh, the woman who was there and, and she wouldn't take it from my hand. It's like, it's like, what does that have to do with the mask? She's like, oh no, put it on the table. I'm like, okay. So I put it on the table and then I said, oh, I get a sticker, you know, I voted sticker. And I reached for it from her hand and she said, no, no. She put it down on the table. Like I had to pick it up from the table and pull, pull it. So I, I was, I mean, that's, that's odd. And none of them were wearing masks that do anything, right? They're all these cloth masks with cute designs on them. They do nothing, zero, they do nothing. And yet these are all 75 year old women who I'm sure are very nice and are just doing what they're told, but they, um, you know, if they were serious, they'd be wearing a serious mask. You know, if I came in and they were all wearing N95s, I might've gone along with the theater, you know, because I'd be like, okay, you're taking this very seriously. And I, you know, okay, I, I take the disease seriously too. I really do actually. And, um, you know, Tim Pool had a video today. He got COVID over the weekend. It was, it was pretty dire there. So, I mean, I take the disease seriously. So I'd go through with the theater, but they're all wearing stupid masks with like, you know, cloth masks with holes and so I was like, no, I'm going to push back. So that was my voting experience. Okay, so you touched on one of the questions I want everybody to address, which was, will Republicans do anything that they promise? And I assume most of us think they'll do very little of it. But I'm curious, um, why do people think Youngkin won? Why do you think the Democrats lost? Um, what do you think the Democrats will tell themselves openly about why they lost and what will they tell each other for real about why they lost? Um, does this bode well for the midterm elections? Does it have no effect at all on the midterm elections? Um, so basically those are my questions. And my quick thing about masks, which I'll say before I forget about it, is the only disappointment I had voting in New York is there is no voter ID. And they ask you the first few letters of your last name and your first name, and they believed I was Ed Maslish, so you voted in New York last night. And there is absolutely no verification whatsoever. And I just wonder also, if you do wear masks and there is ID where you are, do you have to pull down the mask like for TSA? That's my only last question. Okay, who's going next? Jody from Illinois or should we let Mike, because he's in New Jersey where they won one and probably lost one. With Jody, we're doing a fireside chat, right? Is that Woo yeah. You yes. bet. Jody Carroll Prater. Yes. 
Where, wait, you even have a dog. Come on. I do. I've got two. Here we go. This is perfect. I'm, I'm up in the ante. I got two dogs. Much better. Um, <laughs> so, well, I have the same he thing here in Illinois. When I when I go to vote, I just I you know I just like to be a little bit antagonistic. I try to hand them my ID, and they almost act offended. They refuse to take it. So, I mean, I, that's 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 not uh, unusual here that's what we experience. But and it's 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 unfortunate. But uh, you brought up one of the things that's been on my mind is, you know, and certainly Yonkin seems like a really cool, he seems like a great candidate. Actually, the story is really inspiring of how he got into it and really kind of came out, came out from nowhere. And you got to give him kudos. It's, it's really quite an accomplishment, what, what he, what he kind of really did. But when you listen to the things that he says, he's, almost sounds a little bit like a Democrat to me in the extreme of the promises of what he's going to do. He's going to lower all these taxes. He's going to invest in all these things in education. And the, the, I, I felt a little overwhelmed by the, by the promises he was going to make. And um, I don't there know. There actually is a, a bipartisan majority to change the um, Virginia what I call it, standard deduction to be the same as the federal one. Right now, the standard deduction is, is quite small in Virginia and the federal one is like 24 or five or something. So, and there is a bipartisan majority in both houses of the assembly to bring Don't that. get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for lowering taxes, but then when you're going to invest more in schools and do all this, I, just, I feel a little bit of that, well, wait a minute. You kind of sort of, I'm in, I didn't follow everything he said, so I'm putting that out there. You know, I, I don't know if he has this, it's all going to pay for itself plan and that he's exposed to that. I'm just saying when I would listen to him, I kind of got that sort of, whoa, you know, and maybe it is this, it's just, it's just what Republicans do. They promise to lawyer taxes and they really don't have the honest conversation about, and we have to seriously reduce spending. I, you know, is it just more of the same Republican? I, I really don't want that to be the case. I want, I want genuine Republican back to, can we even say back to conservative principles? I don't I've, know. I've lived in Virginia for 27 years now and followed politics here closely. And the thing is that for most of the time between 1994 and 2009, Republicans control basically the entire state apparatus and they they did very little there are a few i follow gun control closely so there are a few uh re relaxations on some gun control issues which obviously i was in favor of um but the taxes have stayed the same the entire 27 years except um sales tax went up from four percent to six percent that was done under republicans um the at the very beginning, like 1994, they eliminated the car tax, or at least uh, cut it, you know, the personal property tax on automobiles, uh, cut it substantially, and, you know, yay for them for doing that. But that was at the very beginning, 1994, uh, with a, you know, a lot of energy about the contract uh, with America and stuff. Um, so the, the Republicans are just sort of go along to get along. And when there was mixed government from 2009 until 2017, again, not a whole lot happened. 
and um, Republicans certainly didn't do anything. And um, and they, you know, they argue about the budget or whatever. And then in 2017, when the Democrats controlled everything, they went completely wild and like tried to do everything. You know, they 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 tried and uh, to act, enact all sorts of gun control, and they succeeded in some and failed in some. They enacted all sorts of benefits. Um, they expanded uh, Medicaid, which was part of Obamacare that Virginia hadn't done. You know, that of course is a huge fiscal time bomb on the state. Um, they passed the Equal Rights Amendment, even though that's illegal. I guess that, you know, they just they decided to, to do that sort of pandering. Um, there were some semi-sensible restrictions on abortion in Virginia. Uh, they repealed all of those. Now it's like, uh, you know, right up until the day of birth. And I mean, they just, you know, every single one, and of course the whole CRT stuff got introduced and the, the trans uh, mania that was uh, uh, done by the Democrats to allow uh, boys to go in girls' restrooms and vice versa. So it's they, when they, when Republicans have total power, they do nothing. And when Democrats have total power, they try to do every single thing on their wish list. And I, 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 I you know, it's, Still going to be 21 Listen, in the Senate. So. I, I think that the caveat here is we don't expect Republicans to keep their promises and, and to do what they were elected to do. And, you know, last night, it's hard not to get caught up in the sort of excitement of it all because we're looking at two states that are blue states. Uh, Virginia, obviously, is a pretty blue state now. New Jersey is deep blue. And we see this incredible unexpected sea change uh, where, you know, one incumbent governor is upended and one came this close. I think Murphy is probably going to pull it out at this point. Um, but honestly, I'm shocked. Jack Chitterelli is typical establishment Republican who ran a very vanilla campaign, um, pretty non-controversial. And the Republicans actually picked up, I think, six assembly seats and two Senate seats, don't quote me on it. And one of those Senate seats appears to be from the Senate president, a guy named Steve Sweeney, who I can't understate how powerful this guy has been for many years. And apparently it looks like he's lost to a guy who spent a, a total of $153 on his campaign. So what? what's just amazing about this is Jack Chitterelli didn't really run a great, great campaign. The NJGOP did his typical thing, which was to do nothing. And yet here we are and they're picking up seats. So putting aside what Republicans do when they're in office, I'm more interested in the why, mm -hmm. like what is going on out there? How did a county like mine, I'm in Bergen County in the Northeast corner of New Jersey, right outside of New York City. Phil Murphy wins this county by 14 points last time. And this time is losing it by five points. So why? I think, and I, I, I think can't I can help but, okay, Mike. I'll give you a second. I cannot help but think that it has to do with the COVID tyranny, the masking in the schools, the potential mandate coming. I don't know if James O'Keefe's video had an impact. I hope it did. I'm not sure within a week out, but that's the only thing that I can put my finger on aside from, you know, after Trump is gone, the Democrats lose some motivation and it is cyclical. I mean, this Chris Christie got elected after Obama. So we've seen this sort of trend but for um, 
you know, Phil Murphy to almost get upended. Looks like he's going to hang on with really not a great campaign and, and not this upswell, this, this, this feeling of momentum on the Republican side when it was John Corzine or Florio. It's just pretty shocking to me. Well, both Chitterelli and Youngkin are squish Republicans that put their best face on being Democrats as Republicans. They try and channel their inner Democrat to the to Republican talking points. And I think that that strategy works best when people are scared, when the economy is going bad, when 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 there are things that make people worried, when times are good, you know, like like 2018, for instance, you know, Trump's midterm. That kind of Republican is going to get washed away, that people are going to go for a real Democrat then. And they're not going to they're not going to vote against Democrat incumbents when times are good because they're going to feel like, you know, we can you know, we can have everything. Um, and. You know, Youngkin in particular promise everything. Um, so he, that, that's the Democrat strategy. Just promise them everything and don't you know, don't you know, don't worry about the reality of not being able to to pay for it all. Um, but I think that works best for Republicans when people are scared. And I think especially in Virginia, seeing what's been going on at the school board, uh, people were people were worried. Um, and I think to Youngkin's credit, you know, rather than just say that he, he you know, piled on, he was, you know, right guy at the right time. Um, to his credit, he really did glom on to the school board issue. Um, and and in, a, in a sense, in a, in, a, in a different way, but it sort of reminds me of Kavanaugh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh. You know, Kavanaugh, I thought, was a terrible appointment from Trump. Uh, but there came a point where when he was defending himself from those ridiculous charges, I just felt like he needed to be defended. And, you know, same thing with Youngkin. When he when he stood up to, to McAuliffe and said that parents not school boards should decide what goes into your kids schools. I think that made him worthy yeah. of supporting. And I was glad to see him win. Uh, I only wish it could have been by more. Um, as far as, uh, Chitter you know, Chitterelli, you know, I just, you know, Mike, you and I talked privately and, and you know that I thought that it was going to be a blowout for Murphy. Uh, I'm surprised it was as close as it has, as, as it has been. Uh, but I think that's a reflection of, really bad economic times. I don't think it's the COVID tyranny, uh, although that plays a small role in it. Uh, the reality is Chitterelli didn't take advantage of it. He didn't come out against any of the mask nonsense that, that Murphy is talking about. He didn't come out against vaccine passports. He didn't jump on okay. the, the Project Veritas videos at the, in the last week of the campaign, right. which made it seem like Murphy is on the cusp of forcing everybody to get a vaccine. Uh, so I don't think it was a revolt against COVID fascism. Uh, yeah, but Ed, Ed, New Jersey's New Jersey's been an economic basket case forever. We've had high property taxes, and there's there's something else going on out there. And it, to me, it's pretty evident what's at play. It's it's, it's COVID. It's the mandates, the vaccines. It, it's it's the CRT in the schools. It's I think all of this is at, at play. Let me just say one other thing about Virginia. Um, you know, McAuliffe, Terry McAuliffe made a gaffe. I mean, you just brought it up. He, he made a gaffe there that made it, you know, it's a hanging curveball to take advantage of. You know, I don't think Murphy made any real gaffes per se, but, you know, my old organization also played a role, Americans for Prosperity. I know they had boots on the ground in Virginia. And, you know, that has an impact when you're knocking on a million doors or whatever it is that they did. 
you know, I'm saying to myself, if they were in New Jersey, <laughs> they might have tipped the scales on this one. So, you know, each race has different variables at, at, at play. Um, but, you know, I mean, and you can't rule out the fact that maybe Murphy himself is just not popular. You know, he, he's not he's not a guy that exactly endears himself to people. But I think the major issues are the ones we've been talking about for the last 18 months. And, you know, unfortunately, it looks like Cittarelli is going to come up short. But that's that's kind of the way I see it. Well, I've you know, been to New Jersey a few times and, and I don't see any evidence that the people in New Jersey are resisting or revolting against the COVID mandates. Um, I don't see much opposition to Murphy. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you they did it at the, than I do. Maybe they did it at the ballot box. Jody, what were you going to say? So I was just going to say, and I don't know what the answer is to the people in New Jersey. I'm just really glad to see it is, you know, at least this tight, but when, you know, Youngkin won and I was thinking, cause everybody wants to say, this is a referendum on Biden and this is good. This is portending what's coming nationally. Um, but one of the things that I kept thinking is, well, you can't necessarily say it translates nationally when we know that a lot of, a lot of the momentum for Youngkin came in response to that girl being raped and, you know, that being hidden and the CRT lies, not, which that's local Virginia stuff. And Youngkin's, Youngkin's campaign was less about Biden and the troubles of America and more about what's going oh. on with Virginians. So I have a hard time seeing not, not that Virginia but. translated nationally, but now that I see what's happening in New Jersey, maybe there is a little bit of voters are starting to sort of wake up a little bit. And maybe there is a little bit more of people don't like the overall, they, they don't like the overall uh, direction the country is going and not it maybe it was a little bit more national than i i, I, I throw something else out there on this or oh, mike go ahead you, you I, i'm just gonna say to answer the question is it is it a sign for what's going to happen next year I, I i think it is i mean i, I think that I historically so. that's the trend of it um you know again i go back to 2009 with chris christie the next year you have 2010 and the biggest republican victory in eons right or at least since 94 anyway. But uh, no, I, I think it's definitely a sign of trouble for the Democrats next year. And just as a little nugget, I'm on social media and I see a quote from or a tweet from Paul Krugman, and he's blaming it on the fact that guys like Manchin are in the way of their spending bill and that they're, they're not showing people that they're getting things done. So they're not learning a lesson from it. That's for sure. Well, I'm going to address that point second. But the first, I just want to say, as far as national implications, I think the elephant in the room is how Trump was dealt with by these two Republicans. Yeah. Um, they both, they both finessed distancing themselves from Trump without alienating Trump supporters. Trump didn't go and campaign for either one of them. Trump didn't endorse either one of them. Um, Trump was basically kept out except in so far as Terry McAuliffe and Phil Murphy, the two Democrat candidates, tried to make the, the campaign a referendum on them. Um, and I think that that's really, if you want to know how much this is going to be a bellwether for 22 and 24, the real the only way to answer that is, will Trump shut up and go away or will Trump so. get involved? Because I think that fair or unfair, and I think mostly unfair, 
independents in particular, but even parts of the Republican Party mm-hmm. are just never, ever, ever going to accept Trump. And he personally alienates them. He personally pisses them off. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, fair or unfair, if the Republicans want to win, they're going to have to find a way to put Trump in a box and keep him away. Um, I agree. I think his policies are popular. Um, he's just never going to win over the people that that won't vote for him. And okay. I think that, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was just going to jump on what you just said. Trump, his policies are popular. But here we go back again. Who was Trump? He wasn't a fiscal conservative either. Right. So I, I'm just saying we, this is this is a big problem that, you know, we're not saving our country when this is what we have is that we continue, we, we get people on our side who, 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 who wanna talk about growing our economy and cutting taxes and all those great things, but they're appeasing, I, I mean, are they appeasing the center and soft right by then exploding spending? It doesn't end well. I just, I, well, that's why we need, I, I've been saying on this show that we need to move on from Trump. I mean, and you have as well, Jody. I mean, a guy like DeSantis, I mean, and there are other people too, um, but he's just the most visible. We need to move on and, and take the best parts of Trump and discard the worst parts. Well, you and know, there are some worst parts that we have to acknowledge. Well, I, you know, I just want to say this one last thing on this subject before we move on, but I do blame the voters. I mean, voters are really, I I understand why politicians have to to get up there and, you know, say they're going to buy them these things. Sadly, too many people, that's how they function. And Ed, when you were saying earlier, you know, what happens is Democrats get in there and you know, they get full power and they make everything they want or darn near close. Republicans get in there and they have full power and they do nothing. But the problem is when the Democrats get in there and they they make all these things happen that they want to happen, you can't scale those things back because now now voters have them. Now they want them. Now, what do you mean you want to take this away? And so it is that, you know, slowly chipping away because, at, you know, even if Democrats have four years of full power, they can do a whole lot of damage that's just about impossible to remove because they get all this spending in there and now Republicans really can't take it back without being evil. Well, I want to tie that, what you just said, Jody, to to the point I was going to respond to Mike about, you know, Paul Krugman's quote. Um, I think that the Democrats' response to this, I mean, I think the Democrats' response is always full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. If they win, it's a mandate. It's full steam ahead. If they lose, well, that means we got to fight harder and we got to show them all the things we're going to do. That is the Democrat mantra. Always go forward. Mm-hmm. And the, the Republicans don't go forward. Um, you know, my son saw a bumper sticker not too long ago and he said, and, and he, as much as he's one of us, he, he laughed at it. He said, uh, the bumper sticker said, you know, you know, the Democrat, you know, the uh, an election is like uh, driving a car, D for forward and R for reverse. And, you know, if only the Republicans would reverse some of the things that the Democrats do, that might be better. But the reality is the Republicans are neutral. They, they wind up, it's like being, putting the car in neutral. Um, I think, Mike, to answer your question, I, it's Krugman is just saying what the, Repu- what the Democrats are going to do. They mm. are going to go full steam ahead. They're going to do everything they can to shame Manchin and to shame Cinema. 
and to insist that they go forward and they fight for what they want. I, you know, I, I'm laughing in my head at, at all these suggestions that, you know, that, you know, Bernie Sanders and the squad are going to have to go and be put in a box in a corner somewhere. There's no way they're going to go in a corner. That That's the Democrat Party and they fight and they, you know, I mean, just because you lose a battle in a war doesn't mean you don't fight to win the yeah. war. I mean, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you, but Krugman, I think, is a, a true believer. And, you know, they it's one thing to, to not to ignore the signs and the, and, the, and the takeaways from the election. I don't think, you know, I, I think that's exactly what I, that's, I, th- I, I think. I don't I think he's not I don't think he's getting the actual takeaway from the election at I all. I think, think he's got it wrong. What do you think the takeaway is? You think the takeaway is that people don't want spending? I don't see that. Yeah, no, I don't either. That's part of my argument here is I, I don't think they do. I don't, I don't just said no, yesterday. Let me, let me let me let me just restate it, because I don't think that's why the Democrats lost yesterday because Joe Manchin didn't vote for a three and a half trillion dollars spending bill. That's where I think he's just wrong. Right. Are they going to go full steam ahead? They may. Um, DeSantis said yesterday that uh, Florida now has the same population of New York and the Florida state budget is half, less than half that of the state of New York. And that's true as far as I can tell. So I think, um, I think all of us understand that government spending is the root, well, there's a lot of roots, you know, the, the Fed and whatnot, but that government spending is a, a major, major issue, not the deficit so much. I mean, I, I always said that if the, uh, the federal government spent, you know, two and a half trillion dollars a year and raised zero in taxes, it would be better than now when they spend $5 trillion a year and raise you know, $2.5 trillion in taxes. Um, because the spending is really, um, does much more damage to the country than uh, does the debt, although the debt will eventually kill us too. But it's the spending that causes the debt. So I think that the DeSantis line that we could get, you know, we can, we can do the proper role of government, whatever he thinks it is, at half the cost. I mean, there that's a winning, that's a winning slogan for the federal government among us. But I don't know whether it's necessarily a winning slogan um, among the normies because they think, you know, every dollar the government spends is going to, you know, help the poor and help the elderly and help the this and help the that. And they don't realize that what it's end up doing is destroying the economy and destroying the country and screwing up incentives and destroying capital and all, all the other things that government spending does. So I, I like DeSantis and I like, you know, I like that statement, you know, I, I just, I'm so black pill on the, on the issue of government spending because, uh, you know, no Republican has ever made the point that government spending is bad in and of itself for its own sake. Um, they always say, well, we're going to yeah. spend better. Voters will reject you know, that concept. You can't yeah. say it. I, so I, I, don't you understand why they don't say it? Um, I don't know whether they don't say it because they don't know it. I, you know, I have never met. Uh, they don't Republican. believe it. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't know whether they know anything about economics. I mean, certainly, 
you know, there are people in Congress with economics degrees like AOC, for instance, and, uh, <laughs> and she doesn't know anything about economics. I'd rather have Greta Thunberg as my representative <laughs> than AOC. Um, but uh, that's because she doesn't uh, live in your district like AOC. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, government spending is a problem in and of itself. And even government spending on things that the government ought to do, like the military. I mean, there's a huge amount of waste in the military budget. And there's a huge amount, huge amount of waste in the, I mean, I don't think it's, I, I mean, I, I think all federal law enforcement should be defunded with the possible exception of the federal marshals and the secret you service. You know Border control. Contract that out to the citizens who live on the border. Trust me, it will be over in a minute. But, you know, even on that subject of spending and the waste, I know some stories from somebody who worked in the federal government. It's horrifying, but most people are absolutely unaware of what really happens, what's really going on. And I think if that were to happen, if you were to shine a spotlight on those realities, voter sentiment would change and how you can talk about those subjects would change. And that's one of the things I give credit to Yunkin was on you know the the soundbite from um, McAwful where you know parents can't do this parents shouldn't have say in their schools he did a good job of giving that the light of day in the minds of voters putting it in there and if we could do more of that you know if the Republicans could do more of that shining the spotlight uh, on you know, I think, I, I don't know if it just came out today, but the, the violence in the inner cities, the, you know, who's the most violent cities. If we could start showing how those are run by Democrats, these things start shining the light on these things, but we fail. All of those though, though, all of those issues, every single, single one, it goes to race and they've weaponized race. No, 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 no. that's how you take the whole, con that's how you take it back. That's how you say, there, I don't want to use the words, but if you're going to use racism, look, then why are Democrats so racist? If these are what you're saying, define if these if these these outcomes are what you're saying are, are emblems of racism, then why are Democrats so racist? And you say that 500 times, then why are Democrats so racist? Then uh, why I'm, are I'm, just I'm, like the, the, the Democrats? I, I, I certainly, I, I, you know, the Democrats are racist in in some ways, but I mean, last year, the FBI reported that 56% of all murders were committed by, um, by black people. In fact, it's young black men, 15 to 35. So that's like 2% of the population commits over 50% of the murders. And that's just a fact. And yet, you know, you are not allowed to say that on social media. You are not allowed to say, you are not allowed to link to the FBI crime statistics website right. on Facebook. That's why we have to find our way around. So, I mean, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to solve that particular problem. And as, you know, as the crime problem is very much tied up to race and the race problem is very much tied up to the incentive structure that is built into welfare. So you get three generations of welfare, no parenting, 70% of black children are born out of wedlock. They have no one to look a, a black child growing up in these, these inner city, you know, uh, slums has no one to look for to, as an example of someone who, who has a job, 
who who works who you know I mean there there are plenty of black families that are um, you know that are fathers and mothers and whatnot but I'm talking about these you know these inner city core groups the Baltimore the Washington the Philadelphia the you know not so much near city Chicago and whatnot they just grow up they have no idea what it is to go out and get a job and there's no one to look to to get a job and they don't know how to get a job they don't know how to dress they don't have to shower they don't know anything about anything except wrapping basketball and um and and theft and gangs. So I think I hope I'm not wrong. I, I sense that a lot of black people are waking up to reality, with the exception of the elite black race hustlers who are using it to line their own pockets. I think there is starting to be a, a better movement of people in the black communities who are starting to sort of wake up to those yeah. realities. Yeah, there are. I, I, I see that. You know, and it's not just the Candace Owens. I mean, they're liberal no, like people right. like um, John McWhorter, who is a, who's a liberal uh, linguistics professor, and he just wrote a book about how uh, you know CRT is is this just is about the worst thing you could possibly do for Black people. But then it's all wrapped up in the whole war on drugs too. I mean, one of McWhorter's things is if you want to if you want to really help the inner city Black people, you legalize drugs because then they'd have to get a job. Because right now they don't have to work. They stand on the corner and sell meth that they get from their supplier. But if they couldn't do that, then they'd have to get some other job. You guys might might have seen one of the videos that went viral, a guy named Ty, Ty Smith in my area. He did a video very passionate against uh, CRT. And I, I went to go see him last week um, in, in my area. And um, his story is really it's really beautiful. And one of the great things is he didn't even, he didn't even know anything about politics a year ago. He didn't, he wasn't even really sure who the Democrats and who the Republicans are. And he had his awakening of, wait, you want to do, you want to tell what to my kids? And now he's PO'd. And I got to tell you, it's guys like that who are mobilizing and they're mobilizing people in their own communities, you know, wake up. This isn't good for your kids. So I hope that continues and that groundswell continues to move. And like I said, there's, you know, the elite race hustlers who benefit financially from it, who exploit human suffering. Um, they're going to do everything they can to knock that guy down. But the bigger it gets, the bigger they get as a group. It's, I hope it's, it is happening and I hope it's going to be fun to watch. I think the, the entire Democratic Party is, is, is invested in race hustling yes, at this point. They are. It's yes, not just, they are. It's not no. just Al Sharpton and Jesse no. Jackson anymore. 100%. It, it's like that's part what, of the party platform. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> why I say we need to start using those words. We need to start saying, why are you so racist when everything you say is the outcome reflects racism? is on you. It's in your inner cities. It's happening to your black people in your well, communities. You're this, this trapping is, um, people in poverty. This is one other point I wanted to make about the elections, and maybe I'm stating the obvious here, but the divide remains mainly the urban areas against everything else, right? I mean, when, when you look at New Jersey and Virginia, I mean, New Jersey, it's like, you know, Newark. I mean, you know, Jersey City and some of these places. And, and the rest of the state is trying to overcome that disadvantage in those population centers. And that, that again, is, is the problem that we see. When you, I mean, I'm looking at the map for G Virginia yesterday. And it's like red everywhere, except in those major urban areas. So when we talk about national divorce and secession and all this stuff, I mean, 
that's where the problem really is. And it's I don't know like how, that in Illinois, how, you really, how you really separate yourself. We have the same problem here in Illinois. And I think it's growing even bigger in Michigan where Wayne County is, you know, Detroit, that's going to start really driving Michigan. That's a big problem brewing where it is the urban areas driving states. Let's see if, if you guys are right. And, and I, I suspect you are, if, if you're right, that the black community is starting to wake up to this scam. Um, you have to remember that they get 95%, 95 to 97% of the black community votes Democrat. Yeah. If, if, only 75% were to vote Democrat, that still would be a, a grand, you know, grand slam for them, but that would be a, a game changer in, in national politics or even state politics. And couple that with the fact that um, Trump did exceptionally well among, among the Hispanic community yeah. and Republicans have been doing much better with the he Hispanic did, community. Right? Um, really Trump and the Republicans lost white suburban mothers mostly um, also to a lesser extent, white males, but, um, I think well, that if that's the divide, I think that the Republicans can capitalize on it and probably will even against their own better judgment, probably will, because that's just the way the, the politics are going. But, um, what, you, what were you going to interject Jody? Well, I don't know. Mike was going to say something too. Well, I was just going to point out before I forget it, it's interesting how certain rising stars emerge when you have these elections in uh, Virginia. It's not really the governor. It's the lieutenant governor, Winsome Sears, who I think. Yes. Came Amazing. Onto the scene last night and she was fantastic. And, uh, you know, the I share face of the new face of white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, an look, awful I mean, lot of them, though. There's an awful lot of them. We, we, we know what the. Uh, you know what the mo here is for the left when it comes to black conservatives and i know she's going to get attacked but you keep holding out hope that maybe she's the you person that can turn the tide you know maybe she'll so be I, the one i think eventually the the argument of just taking a few black people and calling them some bad names it's really going to start to lose its energy as there's more and more and more right and you know should the black electorate actually turn in a substantial way, what happens to all of those, you know, suburban white leftists, you know, their, their, their ego is oozing over their pride against racism. When you take that away, when they start to lose that, well, wait a minute, there's nothing in it for me. I can't feel morally superior now if most black people aren't, you know, leftists anymore. I think the benefit of growing, you know, if, when, when the black community wakes up and starts to figure it out, it, it, will, it will impact the white community in those ways where those, those white leftists will no longer be able to feel good about themselves because they're all, you know, morally woke. Once that starts to, you know, once the black community wakes up, they're, they're, they're not gonna have their little feel good well, I don't think they're going to wake up. They haven't woke up in the last 60 years. I don't see what's going to happen in the next 60, certainly in my lifetime. Um, uh, you know, the, I don't see it happening. Now, I, I do think it's good that uh, all of these Black individualists are coming out and, and you know, you know, arguing for individualism and individual rights, there's, you know, and I'm, I'm very happy to see that, but I just don't see it um, changing the, 
vote totals from, you know, yeah, 88 to 92, right? 95 if it's Obama. No, I, I don't see I don't see it going below 88 any time in my lifetime. Um, well, didn't Trump get almost 20 percent of the black vote? 20 percent of the male black vote. He got less of the female black vote um, and it all it added up to like the same 88, 89 or whatever. Um, yeah, black men have. Are more open than black women are. So I don't, I don't know why, but just like white men are more conservative than white women, I guess. Um, it's because women tend to follow their emotions, which is exactly why I went to the left. Well, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. Listen, no, you're the uh, only one on this true. show who could possibly say that. And that's really sad. It's, it's really, really sad. I, I, don't know. I, I tend to say that I tend to say that, at, um, you know, married women tend, tend to uh, support uh, their husbands in you know, their husbands generally, not all the time, but generally are the breadwinners. And so married women tend to support their husbands. So white married women tend to vote conservative. Black single women are married to the state, so they tend to vote liberal. Uh, single women are married to the state, so they tend to vote li liberal. Um, you know, I am, I am, you're, I am such a cliche. I am everything you just said. I, I, I met my husband at work. We're a doctor nurse combo. Like, uh, he's the breadwinner. I totally go by emotion. I'm, I, I, I emotions are, I ooze. It's, it's, it annoys me sometimes. I totally follow my emotions. And to this day, I'm a conservative emoter. But the, 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 the thing that changed for me wasn't my fact that I follow my emotions. What changed for me was the facts leading my emotions when I was on the left were completely flawed and skewed. Like, so I still follow my emotions, but now I'm using it with, oh, look, this actually does solve this problem. People actually can afford to feed their children and eat. Oh, look, if you go to the conservative right, students actually get educated and they actually have the ability to rise up out of poverty. I'm still following my emotions. I just have learned that facts actually matter in solving problems that I feel really, really strongly and painful about. Sorry, I'm off on the tangent on that kind of thing. So. I just want to mention on the topic of race and politics and role models, I don't really care that much about the New York mayoral race because it was a foregone conclusion that Curtis Sliwa would lose by tens and tens of percentage points. But we did elect a black male mayor who came out of the police department as a police captain and didn't run a very far left campaign as far as I know. And I think that will be slightly interesting to see where that leads. Um, I have a couple of comments, other comments about the, the Virginia elections. It concerns me listening to Republicans like the head of the RNC sort of trying to get credit for this. I don't know if, I'm not 100% sure if Youngkin won or if McCulloch lost, but be that as it may, like I think Mike mentioned in New Jersey, I don't think Republican National Committee people help anybody win anything. 
in any state. And once in a while, they're out there to steal credit from people like the Tea Party. They raise they raise money and put it into campaigns. Let me let me tell you something about Terry. McAuliffe. I need to tell you. We that- all know Terry McAuliffe is an awful awful person, but when he was the governor of Virginia between 2013 and 2017, he didn't do a half bad job. He, I, I, you know, I'm, I say this knowing that he's a horrible human being, but um, as a governor, he didn't do a half bad job. I think if he had campaigned on his record, which was very moderate, of course he was sort of, you know, he, they didn't have the assembly back then. So he had to very much compromise with the, um, you know, the Republicans. He even passed a pro-gun bill, signed a pro-gun bill. I never thought that would happen. If he had ran on that, he would have uh, won, but he didn't. He ran on modern wokeism. And I think that, that, and, you know, said some really stupid things that he didn't have to do any of that. He could have just said, this is what I did, you know, when I was governor, I negotiated with Rogans, we balanced the budget every year, you know, we increased teacher salaries or, you know, all the stupid things that they say. But no, he had to go full woke. And that was just stupid. But well, do you think that we learned then that, you know, wokeism isn't, the, isn't a political strategy? Yeah, wokeism is that- definitely death. There's no, there's no I question so. about it. Welcome. Not, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I believe, um, I don't totally agree with Ed M because, and that's why when I asked my question a little bit ago, I said, what will the Democrats openly blame this on and what will they blame it on behind closed doors? So yes, you're going to have a lot of Democrats doubling down like Pelosi with her statement, we're going ahead with the bills, blah, 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 and Krugman, et cetera. But there's a whole bunch of Democrats who, if they were wishy-washy before about voting for a $3.5 trillion bill, are not willing to give up their offices. And I predict a bunch of them will peel away from this. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that's my prediction. Nobody wants to lose their seat, period. I also want to say that it's great that we won in Virginia, but I think that can backfire. Because now winning in Virginia, if we do absolutely nothing, I think that sucks the air out of the momentum for the midterms. Well, I mean, that's Curtis Yarvin's point that he's been talking about forever, is that like Republicans don't know how to use power. And, you know, they they don't know how to like gather power to themselves and then they don't know how to use it. Because, I mean, generally speaking, from a libertarian perspective, I know we're all kind of libertarian. Um, libertarians don't want to use government power. I mean, the whole point of libertarianism is to not use government power. And, and that, you know, and, and that's true when you're not in an existential fight for your basic, basic liberties, like being able to work, you know, and being able to, uh, you know, have religious freedom or freedom of speech, you know. But it when... You know, that would be like saying fighting World War II. Well, we shouldn't use tanks or aircraft or because, you know, they, they, they can kill people. Um, and the government power has to be used now by the libertarian types to roll back a lot of these horrible, horrible things. And the use of government power has to be, you know, surgical, precise, well-defined and overwhelming in various areas. And I, I honestly don't know anyone other than DeSantis who even thinks that way in the Republican Party. He's well, very few people in the Republican know. Party believe in that, period. And yeah. like everybody's been saying, the Republicans may slow down slightly, 
but almost none of them believe on repealing anything whatsoever. So that's not happening. So I right. questioning: Do they not believe in it, or do they not? They, do they know it's not a sell for the voters? Um, does McConnell it? believe in anything? Well, listen, in power enriching yeah. himself. Yeah, right. You McConnell, know, the, the, the huh? mindset, the, the the rhino mindset is, you know, to be practical, if you will. Right? They're not. They're not going to be Trump. They're not going to fight like that. So when. I, you know, the results are coming in last night. And I'm saying, man, Chinarelli might win. And if he does, is he going to learn the lessons of, let's say, Chris Christie, who had the opportunity to do a lot of good for New Jersey, to show a lot of backbone against a, a Democrat legislature? You know, I mean, he, it wasn't going to be easy, but he could have done a lot more yet. You know, in New Jersey, the governor is one of the most powerful in the country. They have a line item veto. They, they, they can strike out certain things out of the budget. So the, my question was, if Chitterelli wins, is he going to learn that lesson? Is he going to actually govern a little bit more like a, a, a Trump and get some things done? Or is he just going to be continue to be squishy? I don't know. And I just want to say one other thing. I mean, we haven't really talked about the Biden factor and all this. And again, in, in Virginia, I got to think that's more in play than New Jersey, because you're, you're right there near D.C. And this guy is losing popularity by the second. You know, one day he's apparently maybe pooping in his pants. <laughs> you know, another day he's falling asleep at the climate change conference while he's got 900 cars, that, you know, taking him there. So um, this guy, there's a lot of buyer's remorse, I think, right now. Uh, you know, I mean, he can't string words together. And, you know, now we're dealing, we are dealing with some bad economic circumstances. So maybe I want to slightly correct myself about New Jersey. New Jersey has been bad, but. In the past, oh, we, we, we do have an we do have a big, big economic issue there too. In the past, the Virginia suburbs was dominated by the military, Pentagon's here, a bunch of other things. And in the uh, North Maryland suburbs, it was dominated by the medical industry because that whole area is NIH and medical stuff. And in the South Maryland suburbs, that's all black people who have fled from DC because DC is off. Um, so that's why you get very statist on the on the Maryland side and and relatively conservative on the um, Virginia side until the mass migration happened and we got inundated with uh, immigrants and they have turned the um, they have turned the demographics completely around in Northern Virginia and that's kind of why it's um, as it is. But I can tell you the military people that I talk to privately are not happy with what's going on. Um, General Milley said today in an interview that, uh, that he doesn't think China is going to invade Taiwan anytime in the next two years, which means that I'm, I'm waiting for the invasion to happen sort yep. of as we speak, given Milley's <laughs> track record on predicting things. Um, I can tell you the military is very, very unhappy about what's going on under under Sleepy Joe. So um, Steve, oh sorry, Ed. No, that Steve, I was just going to get back to what you were saying. I I, I disagree with you about the, the moderates in the Democrat Party wanting to peel off. That may be their mindset, but I think the pressure is going to come from Pelosi and from from the squad. If they don't want to vote for it, they're going to face a primary challenge. And I think that they'll lose primaries. And I think that the leadership of the Democrat Party 
is willing to lose elections in order to enact their agenda, knowing that the Republicans will never repeal it and eventually they'll get back in power and the program will still be in place and it'll be even cemented further. So I I don't think that they're going to peel off. They they might have some trepidation, but it'll just lead to primary challenges early next year. Um, As far as the wokeism that uh, I forget who mentioned it, but um, I think that the, the, the interesting thing to me about the wokeism is I sort of connected with the COVID stuff and, and, the, and the school board, the parent rebellion at the school board. You know, the parents probably wouldn't even know what was going on at the schools if it weren't for all the lockdowns. Right. I mean, if the parents were at work and the kids were going to school, they, everything would be going, you know, according to plan for the Democrats. And, you know, they thought that they were pulling it over on us. You know, they they, they you know, maybe they were trying to steal elections and change the voting system. But in doing so, they exposed themselves through the, you know, through their kid, you know, the parents being able to see what the kids are doing through Zoom. And all of a sudden the parents are now rebelling about what's going on in the schools. And, um, you know, wokeism, I think is a, is a deadly political position, but um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, COVID has helped, has played a role in helping reveal and, and not just reveal the wokeism, but also maybe, you know, make it more poisonous. Well, I, I don't know, because to me, the CRT is a central factor there. And I think that was exposed sometime last year. I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that the kids were remote. I think there was a, an intrepid reporter out there that started to expose it. At least one became an issue in the presidential debates, and it's only heated up since then. So, you know, I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing at play. I wonder if um, people posting on Facebook and elsewhere who may have been posting, you know, the whole talking point by McAuffle about CRT is not taught in Virginia. I wonder if that got flagged by the fact checkers. (laughs) Anybody want to bank it didn't? No, it was it was allowed to fly that lie. Yeah. Well, it probably, it probably is technically true. They probably don't call it CRT. They probably repackage it and call it something else. No, I think they, they literally the use the term in one of their documents. In their teacher training guides, yeah, uh, which, yeah, which I've seen a bunch of. They, they but, use CRT as uh, a basis, but it's in their teacher training rather than, obviously CRT is some convoluted piece of bullshit that's invented by a bunch of crazy leftists over the last 30 years. So they're not going to teach that to to five-year-olds, what they're going to teach them is that white people are bad. You're a white person. You're bad. It's kind of an original. It's kind of an original sin that even Christianity didn't go this uh, nuts uh, with original sin, and they do teach that because there are a bunch of parents who's come forward with their little girls who said, "Mommy, why am I evil?" and things like that. So, I mean, they don't teach CRT in the sense of the theoretical good feeling. They're yeah. going to give it a fluffy good feeling name, That's like right. some some sort of like unity training or you know some nice words like um like mcauliffe said you know they're just teaching people about the history of race relations in the country and that's that's all they're saying and who could object to that right i learned about race relations when i was in high school why can't you teach history of race relations now i mean what are you some sort of an anti-teacher an anti-knowledge uh you know, as well as being anti-science, get your vaccine, put your mask on, shut up and let me tell you how bad white people are. I mean, that's the basic uh, idea. 
And, um, you know, it's not CRT in that sense, but that, that's the basic function of the teachers and the teachers unions nowadays. All right, well, there's one other issue that I think that I'd like to talk about too. And uh, there was a video that came out today from Marjorie Taylor Greene. She went with Louis Gohmert to the DC jail where the uh, January 6th political prisoners are being held. And they could not even get in to tour the facility. There was a, a guard, uh, I don't know if it was a policeman or, or what, a deputy. And the video shows them conversing with this person. And they will not, would not even allow two members of Congress to get in the facility to, um, to tour it and see what's going on inside. Shocking. I feel like we're a banana republic. This is not the first time that they have gone there and been not allowed in, which is why I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they did that. Go ahead, Ed. I was going to say, what's shocking is that they had no plan for, for guards stopping them. I mean, you know, as I, you know, we, we talked about this privately. Why, why weren't they prepared to, to have that guard arrested? Because you know, they don't I mean, have the authority yeah. to have guard arrested. They don't have that authority. They don't have the authority to hold these people in the January 6th protesters. You got to Where act. are the attorneys fighting for them? Where, well, where's the federal marshal service? Are there, is there no federal law enforcement that Louis Gomer could pick the phone up and, and call them? And what you know, federal or, law would they be enforcing? Who the hell cares? Arrest her yeah, and walk in. Still a chain of command and Congress people have zero authority over any police force in the world. So okay. there's nothing there. Absolutely think... impotent. Whoa, 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 whoa. The DC, hey, hey, DC hey, hey. is totally under control of Congress. Yeah. Right. Totally. No, there is nobody in Congress who can call up a police chief in D.C. and tell them what to do. No, but they can call up the federal marshals and the federal marshals can tell the police chief. What Any to do. individual congressman you think can call a federal marshal and tell them what to do. I don't believe that. I, I've seen it done and I can't talk about it. <laughs> who, who, who is that deputy taking orders from? What? Who is that deputy taking her orders from? Coming from the Oval Office? Where's it coming from? The corrections, whatever that is. But show, please show me anywhere in the Constitution or the law where it says one single congressman can ask a federal marshal to do something. Show me where in the Constitution it says you can hold people in a prison in, for, from January 6th on no. and not charge them and not give them a right to trial. I agree with you, but a congressman has zero more power. Well, or and a congressman has context that, that you can't tell me whether it's I don't care who it was, whether it's the marshals or or, you know, uh, alcohol, to, you know, ATF, or they could find a law enforcement team to arrest that bitch. Pardon my language. She hasn't done anything wrong. Neither have the January 6th prisoners. But they need to act. This is what you, you, we talked earlier about. The Republicans won't act. No, they need to act. And they need to act. Listen, if you tell me they should go blow up the prison and let them out, I don't have a big problem with that part. But they're not lawfully acting by demanding to be let so in. You're okay with blowing up the prison? And you're not okay with just putting handcuffs on that woman and moving her outside and walking in? I don't understand that. Because one is an unlawful act for a good means. The other is an unlawful act for no means, for no reason. It's not for no reason. If they, Once you move her out of the way, you go in. Would you please admit to me that congressmen have no authority by the law? It's not about authority. That you it, well, no, 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 no. Louis Gerber, First admit to me they have no authority. 
They have no authority to hold those prisoners. So therefore, we should all be doing that and not just Congress people. That's first of but, all. But the difference is a congressperson has contacts with all the law enforcement agencies. There's no, got to be someone that Louis Gomer could pick the phone up and call him and say, we're going on a mission to the D.C. jail. We need some men. There's got to be. There's no way you can tell me. Absolutely. I'm sorry, unless you can show me otherwise. A congressman has no contact with any police officer that gives him any authority whatsoever to tell a cop what to do under any circumstance. So I, I disagree with I disagree with that though. completely. You that, disagree with me. Show me the statute that says it's, it's not about it goes back to our previous conversation. You have to be able to seize the power and use the power. Now, I admit, no, no, no absolutely. Now, not. I admit that if if the Republicans controlled the House, which they potentially will next year, then they could get the Capitol Police to go with them. But of course, when the Republicans you're agreeing with me, Ed, you're agreeing with me. They do not control the House. And if they control the House, the Speaker of the House cannot call up a federal marshal and say, go do something. Yes, they can. I've seen it done. I know. I don't want to hear you've seen it done. I want to show me where that's legal to do. Now, it doesn't matter. It's who's has the power and who's willing to use it. That's just lawlessness. That's just ridiculous. Okay. It's not legal. Then I have the power to send my sons to blow people up. Well, I mean, that's the that's the lawlessness. You you cannot fight the lawlessness of what's going on. That's absolutely wrong. The Congress can take away home rule and the Congress can vote to close that jail down. And the Congress can vote when they close that jail down to fire that person. So the Democrats get to act lawlessly and we are we are constrained to only act in a lawful manner. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's exactly what you're saying. Absolutely not. We can asking for legal authority. And that's why we got into jail on January 6th. What I am saying is, please don't insult me by telling me that a congressman can fire a, a jail guard. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, but they can move her out of the way. No, he cannot. That's called called assault. Come on. Then let them sue you for assault. Not sue you. That's a criminal act. That's not suing. That's criminal. And if you go and you bust into that jail, that's a criminal act. What are we talking about? As Louis Gohmert was saying to that guard, they have oversight responsibility. They have a right to go in there. No, they do not. They absolutely do. Show me where it says oversight means you can go into a facility. That's what do you think oversight means? I get to call you into Congress and ask you questions. A hundred. What do you think oversight means? You can't just walk into a prison. Excuse me, guys, unless I'm serious, unless you can show me I'm wrong on paper, you are not correct. A congressman cannot walk into any prison anywhere in this country any more than you or I. And he is subject to the same security restrictions about who they let in, period. Oversight does not. And you're 100% right. There's a right of habeas corpus. Those January 6th prisoners have a right to a fair and speedy trial. They have a right to be treated properly. But it's not being executed. It does not go through Louis Gohmert walking there like a blithering idiot. Louis Gohmert is not such an idiot. He goes there and goes, could you please let me in? Oh, if you don't let me in, I'm going to go to a judge. Well, Louis Gohmert is a judge and he knows damn well that if he wanted to go in there, he should have gone in front of a judge. So all he did was embarrass the heck out of anybody who cares. That's all he did. How many times have I heard you say things that you're in favor of secession? Secession is not legal. Okay, Ed, 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 Ed. We're not going to go there. The Declaration of Independence is illegal. Once you want to say that, that's fine. Otherwise, let's just go back to Britain. I don't understand what you're saying. The Declaration of Independence was an illegal act? According to you? No, absolutely. it was against the, the established order. 
according to Mark Levin, the Declaration of Independence was an act of treason and should have been punished by death. He's a hypocrite. The Declaration of Independence is a natural right enshrined, period. Secession is always a natural right. However, walking okay, in Congress- So is habeas corpus. Right. And Congress people have no more authority than anybody else, period. Always so that's not if, true if prisoners are having their habeas corpus rights violated, we and all have to stand lawyer, back. habeas corpus cannot be invoked by a congressperson. The point is that you're you're arguing for judicial supremacy, which is no, neither. No, I'm not arguing for, excuse me, guys. I'm not arguing for judicial supremacy. I'm arguing for following the law and procedure. And the law and procedure for habeas corpus is to go in front of a judge. Is it not your lawyer? Is it not to go in front of a judge? Of course. And it That's is not the procedure. to go and say, let me into a prison because you have no more right to walk into a prison than you have to walk into anywhere else and that no one else has a right to. The Congress is has the sole authority for the government of D.C. Absolutely. Any congressman should be able to inspect any That's not D.C. true. That is absolutely not true. What does home rule mean? Why is there a mayor? Well, first of all, home rule is both illegal and unconstitutional. But even if it wasn't, they still have the response. They have still have the right to inspect D.C. The mayor, the mayor is the one who tells the chief of police of Washington's police what to do. She cannot be overruled, not even by Nancy Pelosi. That is illegal. OK, and if you think otherwise, produce a document when they gave home rule. That's what they gave. They have no direct involvement in anything of the D.C. government. And no, they cannot overrule it other than by rescinding the power they gave them, period. Any more than a governor, can, can the governor call up the police chief of Teaneck and tell him not to do something? Or can he just fire the mayor of Teaneck? The Congress as a whole can fire the mayor. The, the, but he the, cannot tell the chief of police what to do. Any federal law enforcement agent can tell the DC chief of police what to do. First of all, show me where it says that. And second of all, show me where a congressman is a federal law enforcement agent. It, that, well, that was what going with Ed was saying. If he could find, if they could find one to help out. A uh, congressman is not a federal law enforcement agent. He is an absolute nobody. Correct, he's not. Of course he is, he's I, a nothing. He cannot walk onto any federal facility any more than you or I can without permission. He can get permission using his contacts, but he has no authority whatsoever. You think a congressman can walk into the IRS and demand to- So, you, so your, answer, your answer to how you deal with lawlessness is to file a lawsuit and follow a procedure. My no, answer my is- My answer so, is, my answer, that's not at all my answer. By that me. is what your answer I'm is. I'm the one yelling about January 6th long before most people are yelling about January 6th. Where are 150, 200 Republican Congress people every single day standing out in front of that jail demanding to be let in? Not Louis Gohmert. We've all seen Louis Gohmert's got tremendous cojones when he wants to. Not saying, well, if you don't let me in, I'm going to have to call a judge. Well, we didn't know that he has to call a judge. He didn't know he has to call a judge. That was the most ridiculous, embarrassing show. And he knows damn well they were there three months ago and got the exact same thing. But Louis Gohmert, as a congressman, has zero authority over that jail, period. Where are the rest of the Republicans is the question. And should they be raising hell 100%? Now, do I think the Republicans should break down the jail violently? No, I don't think so. Unless we're really ready to go to a violent revolution, which is an interesting question. 
Glad I brought this up. I think they should. I think they should have arrested that woman. Somebody to show me where I'm wrong that a congressman has any power whatsoever over any city government in this country. Nobody's arguing with you. You're arguing a straw man, Steve. No, that's not true. Excuse me. You both said to me that a congressman has a right to walk in that prison and they can't stop and they should push her aside and walk in. And I'm telling you, that's no. I said that they should. They should have a federal law enforcement person who's friendly to them arrest that bitch. That's what they should I'm have done. I'm not sure, by the way, where does it say that any federal law enforcement can arrest anybody else? The federal you can arrest law somebody and then let them go six hours later. Look, nothing the federal government does is constitutional, but right now, any federal law where enforcement officer can overrule any local law enforcement officer on anything. Can you, can you please show me where it says that? Because I'm well, not it sure. It just happens every day. I don't care what happens every day. It happens every day. The cops steal people's money. It happens every day. They beat people up. Well, that's the point. You've got to exercise power. You are asserting is that if a city cop pulls me over for speeding, somebody from the FBI can take away that ticket. And I do not believe that. If if a city cop pulls you over for speeding and your buddy is behind you and he's an FBI agent and he comes to talk to the city cop, you will not get a ticket. No. Is that legal or the city cop will back down? Who cares whether it's legal? That's the way the world works. That's the the way the world works. And and that's not the argument we're having. The way the world works, yes, everything is power. I know because my father worked in the Rayburn building. And trust me, the secretaries in the Rayburn building have more power than all of us put together. But that's not a legal way of making things happen, okay? It is not legal for an FBI agent to tell a state cop or a city cop, you are not allowed to give that ticket. They have no authority in that situation. As a matter of fact, as federal people, they have no jurisdiction there whatsoever. I don't understand how you can say it's an interesting question whether we should go resort to violent res- revolution and burn the jail down or break the jail, break in the jail. But it's completely out of bounds to put handcuffs on that woman, move her 20 feet out of the way, go in. And then as soon as you're out, release her. Who's, how, how, how you're OK with the first but not the second. I don't understand. OK, well, I don't understand the question. One is you're asking, you think Louis Gohmert, a sitting congressman, should assault a police officer? I said, I didn't say Louis Gohmert. I said some federal law enforcement person. They could arrest her for whatever. They could arrest her for for spitting COVID out. I don't know. They could come up with anything. Under what authority? Under whatever authority they want. That's absolutely ridiculous. They don't have any authority. I don't think a federal officer has any authority at a D.C. prison. I think they're totally local things. And I don't think they have authority. You're telling me the FBI can walk into any correctional facility and demand to be let in? I don't believe that. The way the world is right now, that's the way the world is going. Yes. But that's not legal. And Gomert knows that. And what Gomert did was pitiful, okay? Why isn't Gomert in court? Why isn't Gomert getting 50,000 lawyers together to go to court every day? Steve, I'll tell you why. Because if he went to court, He'd have to file a motion. He'd have to give notice to the other side. The other side would get time to brief. Then you'd have an oral argument. Then the judge would issue an order. Then the order would get served on the other side. By the time you had the legal authority to go in, the situation would be completely changed. If you want to deal with the situation as it is right now, you've got to act. That's why he didn't go to a judge. Number one, you're taking my argument that the judicial system is a total waste of time when it comes to protecting rights. So thank you. Welcome to my side. Number two, if I remember correctly, they're in jail for 10 months. So that is the most ridiculous excuse I've ever heard. 
Okay, where was Gomer on January 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and don't make me count, 10 months of days. There was plenty of time to go to courts and fight this thing. So that's ridiculous. Okay, no one has done- but You don't have a habeas corpus claim on January 10th. Where was it? You don't have one on January 10th. Excuse me, does not habeas corpus mean that anybody who is held against their will, they have to be produced by a court? Yeah, that, yeah, they have to be produced by a court and show cause. They, that they is have to show cause. Corpus, and yes, they had a habeas corpus within five minutes of that detention. That's what habeas corpus means. So they and the thing is, and the thing is that the the ones who can afford lawyers have brought this up numerous times. When they hit on a judge that understands the law, they're released, and a number of them have been. When they hit on the usual judge who only understands power, um, not only are they not released, but they almost um, are treated worse. So it's a, it's a very bad situation. And I would not object to someone trying to use um, other means to, uh, to get them out. At least I like the fact that they're publicizing the fact that we have these political prisoners. Um, that's you th you not think it's pitiful that 10 months later, we have two guys going there to talk softly. They didn't even raise their voices. Do you not think it's pitiful that the United States Senate, which can be filibustered, is allowed to act 10 months later? Where's Cruz? Where's Rand Paul? Where are all these other big mouths? They should have shut the Senate down 100% until political prisoners are released or at least get a day in court. Whatever happened to that speedy trial thing in the Constitution? But well, no I got to give MTG credit because she's objecting to every unanimous consent in the uh, House when they removed her from committees. That's what she's doing. So she's doing what she can. She is. And she's about the only one. But Gomert knows a lot better. And this was not even a stunt. OK, what should they do? Shut down Congress. Why don't they do what the Democrats did years ago and have a sit in, which they still not been um, prosecuted for obstructing official proceedings like the January 6th people are being prosecuted for. Why don't the, the Republicans do that? We're going to sit here on the floor until you let these people go. That I'm with you on that. What? I, I'm with you on that. They should be that doing more. Do. And it's really sad that they get two congressmen to soft talk to go to that jail, which to me was just a pitiful, pitiful thing. OK, do well, something. The real reason is they don't care. Sadly, no more than two Republicans even care. Why are we not every single day in the United States Senate, every Republican senator get out there and say, you need to release these people? Well, I mean, I think we all know the answer to that is most of the Republicans were scared shitless on the January 6th for no particular reason. I think, uh, generally speaking, uh, if someone had had the balls to go out and speak to the protesters, you know, um, which would have happened 30, 40, 50 years ago because all of those congressmen all fought, fought in World War II. They wouldn't have been scared of these guys. They would have gone out and given them what for. 30, uh, 40, that, 50 years ago. What about Guantanamo and Abu Ghraib? I mean, Democrats went and, and spoke out for those people. The, the Republicans are weenies. They won't well, stand the, up the, for what's right. Well, the other thing is they were all scared of the protest, mainly because they listened to the media and they... You know, I mean, I think you see them cowering in fear. I mean, these are the people who send off our sons and daughters to die in endless foreign wars for no particular person, for no particular purpose, cowering in fear because some guy is dressed in yeah. a horned helmet. Yeah, I mean, both of you, Eds, did you not hear what they're saying about Lindsey Graham that's all over the press? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. You know, and like, yeah, Lindsey Graham. He, he that, couldn't win a, Republicans are shoot to protest. He couldn't win a, uh, uh, you know, a um, arm wrestling contest with my cat, Lindsey Graham. And he's all like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. I have a question slightly peripheral. Would Lindsey Graham be what he is without Hannity up his butt every day? <laughs> he was the protege of John McCain, right? right. But now and Hannity then, has made it his mission in life to keep Lindsey Graham strong and big every single day since John McCain died. That's interesting. I, I haven't listened to Hannity for I don't listen to at him. At least 15 years. So I don't know what he's up to. I but. don't I don't either, but I know he's the one he like literally to him, Graham is the guy. And Tucker Carlson keeps saying, You go on Hannity, you won't come on me. Now, is Tucker's thing out or it's just like coming out? His it's news. out. I haven't watched it. Wait, yeah, what's the it? January 6th. The January 6th. It's oh. completely out. There are three episodes. They're both a half hour long. I've got them in my browser window right now. It's one of the things I wanted to watch. Probably won't get to watch them until this weekend. Um, but it's only on Fox Nation, which you have to pay $65 to get, which I have done. But no thanks. Uh, oh, they have a 90 day, he's got a, a free 90 day trial. Oh, okay. All right. But still, it's not like they're like showing them on the show, which would be useful. Yeah, why is that? I think uh, we all know the reason why that is because the people at Fox don't want anything to do with it. Well, so the I other, I think, I think it's nobody wants to be associated with Trump. I think that the hatred of Trump is is widespread and it's deep in the Republican Party. Yeah, and what think, you I, wanted to say is the hatred of Trump trumps it, and you didn't want to say that. <laughs> so Ed, Ed no, Pate. that's the truth. That's the truth. That's Ed, why there. As I said yesterday on the chat. People complain about the 2020 election being stolen by the Democrats. Certainly true. Totally stolen. We all know they got caught. We all saw the pictures. We all saw the videos. They totally got caught. It's very hard to steal an election in the United States without getting caught. They totally got caught. And it wasn't through the media covering it up or Facebook not letting post it. It was the Republicans wouldn't fight. And why didn't they fight? See, if the Republicans fought and spoke out, they would, by that nature, get media attention. But they didn't do it because they, the party uh, hacks don't like Trump. And they're not doing this, uh, not just because they lack any personal courage, but they think these were our Trumpists and they're not gonna go defend them. Yep. I mean, that's why Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz is a lawyer. I mean, you know, at least DeSantis was a Lieutenant Commander in the Navy. I mean, at least that's something. He's shown, probably shown some personal courage, even if in basic training, for God's sake. Um, so it's, uh, you know, but it's not DeSantis's job to go picket in front of the prison. He's got a lot of stuff to do in Florida. No, I don't think but, it's yeah. a job. I think it would be nice if the United States senators, the United States representatives would do it. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice if they were pro-American. They were, it would be nice if they were America first. It would be nice if they were anti-government boondoggle. It would be nice a lot of things, but they're, they're not. We only have two choices, neutral and drive over the cliff, right? That's what Ed was saying. You know, it's interesting so. because the story that I may or may not have mentioned last week, which was a relatively small story out of New Hampshire, um, made its way to Gateway Pundit, which gets much more exposure than anything in New Hampshire. And that's when Sununu at that meeting with the executive council was seemingly text messaging and making gestures and coincidentally, state troopers who were all over the place were arresting people who weren't doing anything. And that's going to get some national attention. 
but again, at what point are people going to push back on arresting people? That's a really, really serious thing. So, Ed, maybe I'm not making myself clear. I think we need to do something. It either has to be legal or illegal, but it shouldn't be somewhere in between. And I don't know how to. I don't know how to verbalize. I think exactly the opposite. I think. I think it has to be in the gray area. It has to be. It has to be in the gray. That's the, that's the thing. It's the only way to make it work is to make it in the gray area. You don't want to be in black. There's nothing thing, in the white. It's a good thing there are 50 shades. There, there's 50 shades of gray and you got to be in the gray. Got a lot of choices. No married man is supposed to admit knowing about that. No, that's true. I mean, it's absolutely true. In, in this, we do not live in a black and white uh, country. The universe is black and white, and the country should be black and white in the sense of good and evil and legal and illegal. But we live in a country with, which is uh, the rule, not of law, but of men. And we live in a country where the oligarchy is, uh, you know, it's not a democracy, it's an oligarchy, but the oligarchy itself is not like the 30 tyrants of Athens. You can't just say there's 30 people and they're the tyrants. It's a very amorphous blob of a bunch of different you know, media and, and university and, and uh, uh, deep state actors and all that. And in that type of environment, there's all sorts of gray to get what you want done. And you have to figure out some gray way to do it. Okay, but the president of the United States and his uh, Ron Klain guy have no problem telling the DC jail under no circumstances will you let anybody anywhere near that place and I will send 100,000 National Guardsmen to protect it. And there's nobody in Congress who could do anything about that. I don't think Joe Biden could send 100,000 National Guardsmen to protect anything if you do a lightning uh, you know, strike. Go in, see the conditions, document them, get out. I'm not no, talking about a jailbreak. I'm talking about like, get in, see the conditions, see the evidence of torture, see the evidence of abuse, document them with the phone, get out, try to get them on the internet before Joe Biden even wakes up from his nap in Glasgow. That's what I'm talking okay. about. So I, this might be a stupid question, but why, why is it at that point, where, why aren't they being charged? Why isn't this moving forward? I mean, why, why are we being talking personal? about trying to get into the, see their, their, um, well, the issue is not so much about the guilt or attorneys to, to go in and say very few of them have attorneys. Very few of them have attorneys because a they're all poor. You know, they're not too bright. And the B is because even if they could afford attorneys, there's hard. There are no attorneys in Washington who are going to take them on. I mean, it's just it's. It's cocktail party death if you take them on. It's not like the old days where John Adams uh, defended the no, British no soldiers in the. John Adams defended the British soldiers in the Boston massacre, and you know what people thought of John Adams after he did that? Hey, he's a stand-up guy. They did deserve a defense. We are not in that world. We are not in that world. There's Somebody no lawyers that will take that it. Case. Somebody has to start making that case. What yes, of course. Well, who? I mean, Sidney Powell, she's a lawyer. She's not got any credibility after her uh, Dominion stuff. So, I mean, the, if Ed? you don't have lawyers, they go in front of these judges and the judges are. You guys I have mean, friends? You guys have friends in the biz? I'm, the fighting, I'm fighting vaccine mandates. I'm, I'm doing my part. I mean, I, I'm not I, I saying, I know, but don't you know any friends who'd be willing to go in and, you know, fight for these people? 
I remember reading that one judge called uh, the defendant uh, in one of the hearings a terrorist. Yeah. This person was not charged with any terrorism related activities at all. But the judge calls. And and so what do you do? How do you appeal that? Appeal that to who? Appeal that to the D.C. Circuit, the Court of Appeals? I mean, you're going to draw just as many goofballs from that. Appeal to the Supreme Court? This is, oh, sorry. Exactly. See, exactly. (laughs) Emmett says it's terrible. He's right. I I agree. I happen to believe it's an absolute suicide for any lawyer to touch these people. And now where we've had lawyers represent the worst kinds of crimes in history, I don't think you can get a lawyer for these people. Okay, so, but then- Are they going to keep their- If it's true, then there really is no- there's no justice system. I mean, if I mean, as as flawed as the Nuremberg trials were, even Heinrich Himmler got a lawyer for God's sake. They gave him a lawyer, not our guys. Nope. And whatever happened to that, a, a lawyer will be appointed for you. That Miranda business. Why aren't they getting lawyers just? Oh that? yeah, they have some. You know, they have some. Uh, uh, what's it called? Um, what do they call him? Ed Quick. My brain. Public defender. Mind. The public, they have a public defender and he's all, oh, plead guilty. That's what all, all public defenders know Wait, how to say is there, plead guilty in various shades of- Does their attorney have to come from DC? Well, they have to be admitted to the uh, DC bar, or the federal bar, get, you know, I, you can make a motion that to allow, if you're admitted to some other bar to get I'm admitted saying, there, but I'm, you got to go in front of a judge to do that. And what judge would allow it? I can't believe all the lawyers in this country, every single one of them is standing by and not doing something. Oh, look at what happened to Giuliani. He got disbarred. And what was his crime? His crime was defending Trump. And that was the message to the legal community. If you defend Trump, we're coming after you. And is there not that are retired and don't care or something? Somebody's got to do something that has the legal brain. You think your sons will get into law school? What do you think, Jody, that if they did that, would they? Okay, so here's the criteria retired, no children, (laughs) no children wanting to go to law school. Um, Jody, let me interject, though. I mean, Steve, you're 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 making a funny point, but you're, you're going back to what we were just arguing about for 10 or 15 minutes. There is no legal way to deal with this. The only way to deal with it is through extra legal means. If there were a legal way to deal with it, they would have done it already. This, it's just that's the that's what's the reality of the situation. And I'm not saying they should have harmed that police officer, but they should have put cuffs on her, moved her out of the way, had cameras on the ready. Go in, take your film, do your 20 minutes or half hour or whatever. Take a look around, come out, uncuff her and let them come after you and, so, and let the chips fall where they may. That's what Louis Gomer and, 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 and Marjorie Taylor Greene should have done that. And they should have been prepared for that. To go well, there and I'm just for sure they grandstand was, was a waste. What? Okay, my only argument with you is you're calling it grandstand and I'm calling it bleachers or whatever because it wasn't grandstanding. But they definitely didn't come prepared for anything. So why did they go? To fire up the base to raise money. I don't think they fired up the base. I think when Goma was standing there talking like this to her, I don't think they fired anybody up. I think they could have fired up a base. Very few people are seeing that but they're all going to see the emails from those two saying they're fighting for the J6 people. And, and Gomert is a guy who does know how to fight. That's what I don't get. 
Yeah, that I, yeah. so I we're, this is where the you know whole thing words matter. I I want to fight for these people, but more than that, I put put even that aside and say, for gosh sakes, we're fighting for all of us to always be able to have the right to a speedy trial, a right to know what we're charged with, a right to evidence put forward, all those things. Like this isn't really about them as much as it really is about the sanctity of. All so we all know we all charts. know about the speedy trial. So here, here, this is what actually happened with the J six people because I've read about it. So we all have a right to a speedy trial, and what ends up happening is the, the feds come in and they say, uh, "Look, we have Brady material. We have um, uh, uh, evidence that might point to um, the defendant being innocent. They're required to report that." However, it's contained within a billion hours of, and it's going to take us nine months to get it. So they, they say that, that's, that's their statement. It's like, we want a speedy trial too, but you know, we're required to do this Brady material. There's only like two of us. We've got to go through 80 billion uh, videos and all this evidence. And we, we just can't produce it in the three weeks or whatever the standard is for a speedy trial. Judge, I, we'd love to, but we, you know, we can't. And the, and the, and the defendant is then left with, well, obviously, because some of the video has been shown um, and, you know, clearly shows that they weren't violent or anything. And, you know, people there have been judges who have let people off. Um, and so the defendants with their idiot public defenders are like, well, I guess we better waive our right to a speedy trial because, you know, we got to get a, the video evidence to show we didn't do anything. What they're charging us with, like hitting police officers or you know, it's like I walked in and I took some selfies and wasn't it cool? It was like a tour. And, you know, and they're in they're in solitary confinement, 23 hours a day for for nine months. They're being tortured and beaten and not given adequate medical care. And and uh, it's like, OK, well, if I can't get the video, if I don't, you know, and they all waive their right to speedy trial. These feds are just the worst human beings in the universe. I mean, they are just awful human beings. If they. I don't know what to say. It should, they should all be fired and every law enforcement organization should be abolished. I don't know what to tell you. The federal law enforcement. I, I just don't, they're, they're just evil, evil, evil people. And when they're going up, up against, uh, you know, narco terrorists, you know, maybe I don't care as much, but the truth is they're now weaponized against us. So they have to be abolished. Okay, well, we got to close with something positive and that's not it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Jody. Well, okay, go ahead, Jody. I got a positive thing, but go ahead. Um, so my positive is we're not gonna, you know, blow up stuff and blow up buildings to get in. We're just not gonna do that. And we do love the little old ladies. We call them in medicine, the LOLs, little old ladies. Even the ones who say, oh, please put your mask on. So we love the little old ladies and we're not blowing up buildings. And hopefully, hopefully, the black community is waking up and along with them a lot more. I don't know. That's what I got. <laughs> but I have a question. Is Bill Ayers still in business? Yeah, he is. So maybe we can hire his group. <laughs> oh, God. You just took away everything I said. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I wish we could hire uh, Saul Linsky to train Republicans. <laughs> well, because blowing up government buildings gets you jobs in Columbia or places like um, that. Well, yeah. only if you're on the left. Hey. You got to remember how this works. <laughs> you don't even have to to have a gun on the right, and you end up in solitary confinement for ten months if you're on the right. I mean, you know, I think the 
what's it called? Uh, um, James O'Keefe has the right idea, you know, undercover video. Undercover video yeah. is our weapon of choice. Not, he's, not the guy, he, he's the guy I was thinking of, of trying to get into that jail. Yeah. Or well, one of his operatives. To get in. It's getting out. It's difficult, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> like the Hotel California. <laughs> you know, maybe he's secretly Roche working Motel. on it. We don't really know. Yeah. You know, maybe he's working on it. Mm-hmm. Well, right. real quick, I thought it was interesting that uh, Bill Maher had some pretty strong words against COVID tyranny in the last week, basically saying the pandemic is over. Uh, how how much he enjoyed going to red states and how it, you know you everybody's free and en enjoying life the way they should and basically he's sick of it and you know again he continues to be a sort of voice of reason on the left <laughs> at times and um, you know hopefully they start to listen to him that's all I, I have a question say. do any of you publicly admit to having liberal friends. Oh, sure. I have plenty sure. of liberal friends. Mm -hmm. So the only liberal person that we have spoken to about this, their comment was, yeah, we kind of don't listen to him anymore. He's gone off the reservation. <laughs> so I'm wondering, are any of them, I would have hoped they would be swayed by him because some of them really thought he was God. Right. So I'm curious what they're saying out there, the liberals. I have a friend, liberal. I'm going to see it now, not Karbop, who, who I'm going to see this coming weekend, lives in New York City. Liberal Jew, you know those people, right? He was in Florida, got COVID, and um, immediately went and got Regeneron, totally took the symptoms away within 12 hours. He, he was fine. Of course, he had, to, he had to quarantine. He's like, I'm really glad that you could just walk into a clinic and get Regeneron here. I mean, I, I, DeSantis is doing good, and he it absolutely is still a crazy-ass liberal COVID totalitarian. But Leah, the Regeneron did save me a trip to the hospital. I mean, it, it just, it, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I, we could use, we could have stories like that be an entire show of the people who have these awakenings and yet they can't make that bridge of, and this is why you don't give government so much power. Do you not get that part? They don't seem to get that part. Anyway, I'll tell you my good news story. Oh, here we go. Some United Nations goofball with the, you know, World Food Program or something tweeted something that if we only had $6.8 billion, we could solve the food and starvation crisis facing humanity now. World hunger. World hunger. And Elon Musk, my man, said, oh, well, I have $6.8 billion. I'll sell Tesla stock. You just tell me exactly how I can spend it to, um, to uh, do the hunger. And there was a lot of hamana, 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 hamana coming from uh, the United Nations guy. And he's like, well, we have a plan. You know, we have a plan. Oh, said Elon. Show me the plan. Give me the details. Let me know. Well, you he know. said it had to be public. It had to be public. publicly auditable. Yeah, that's right. He, he, the UN guy said, we'd be happy to set up an appointment. He said, no, no, just publish it. <laughs> Made the United Nations guy look like a complete fool, which of course is what he is. It's all a grift. And uh, I thought it was funny. And so that's how I'm ending the show today. 
Well, I think we've covered all the stories I'd like to cover. My happy way of ending it is that I'm glad that Ed and Jody were able to join us this week. And we had a full compliment. You guys added a ton to the show and it was good to see you. And we missed you last week. Aw, that is a good ending. Hug, hug. <laughs> but what percentage of college graduates know how to spell that compliment? What, cynical? No, what, what compliment? How many gra college graduates know how to spell compliment in that context? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can spell cat. Would they know to start with a C or a K? All right, folks, with that, we're going to wrap up a very lively show for today. We hope to be back next week at the same time, four o'clock. I believe we change our clocks back one hour this coming Saturday night, and we will be up as a podcast very shortly. Please send your feedback to ejsshow at protonmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. All right, guys.